0: I'm Anthony K, and this is Sports Fluent. This week, we have a great show for you. Our special guest is Julian Wright from the New Orleans Hornets and the Toronto Raptors. He started a new basketball academy in Charlotte and we will take a tour. Also, part three of the Jordan versus LeBron GOAT debate. This week, we're looking at who is the better winner. From the NFL, The New England Patriots found themselves a quarterback. We'll dive into that. From Major League Baseball, we'll take a look at what the season, if it should be played, will look like. And lastly, in the fix, the NHL's draft lottery. It was kind of a joke, and we're going to tell you how we can fix it. All coming up next on Sports Fluent. Next up is my interview with Julian Wright. You might remember Julian from his years as a University of Kansas standout. He was drafted by the New Orleans Hornets, and he also played for the Toronto Raptors. He's a 13-year professional who has created a new basketball academy in Charlotte called ADAPT. You can find them at adaptbasketball.com. Hey, everybody. Anthony Kaye here with my special guest, Julian Wright. You know him from the New Orleans Hornets or the Toronto Raptors. Julian, welcome, man. Nice to have you on the show.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
0: So I wanted to start off this morning. I love that I'm hearing basketballs in the background. That's just (laughs) my favorite sound ever. Um, But tell us about your, your path. So some of us know you. I know you from your year with the Raptors. Most people probably know you from your, I think you did a few years with the New Orleans Hornets. Coming out of Kansas, tell me about your recruitment, how you ended up in Kansas, and then kind of your career path through the NBA. And I know you played overseas a little bit as well.
1: Yeah, so it's been a journey. Uh, thank God for the opportunity to be able to play ball. As I said, a kid's sport, but, uh, you know, adding the business side to it, just learned a lot along all my, my time. Uh, I'm from Chicago area you know, then move to the, the suburbs where, you know, a lot of times they say you're not tough if you're not you know, living in this, this city. So I had a chip on my shoulder. And a lot of our games, we beat like the, almost every game, we beat the city, people from the city. So I was like, you know, like most of our parents did, you know, live there, right? It's not like you know, it's in the middle of nowhere. But uh, that's just some of the culture that kind of got me a little tough and just to kind of have something to prove. Um, and I thought I, felt like I took that toughness from, you know, playing the parks. Spending time with my dad and my mom just going being in the city of Chicago really toughened me up early, and I felt everything else was easy, even, even you know, going to Kansas and everything and playing the league. I felt everything else was, wasn't was a huge talent.
0: <laughs> well, I gotta, I'm gotta going to pause you there for a second because I forgot that you're from Chicago, and i got to yeah. ask this question because it's very important if we're going to be friends. Bears fan? Yes. <laughs> all right, all right, I'm a huge Bears fan. Like, I, you can't yeah, see yeah. it, but I got my jerseys in the background here, my Urlacher. <laughs> I got – so maybe, oh, we'll yeah. talk, maybe we'll talk later about their chances this season. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you mentioned kind of ended up in Kansas, and then you get drafted by the then New Orleans Hornets. What's that like? Right.
1: Uh, that was, I was just fortunate um, to just have my name called. And, and it's funny is that uh, my, my senior year was the last year before, or at least they may be changing some rules up now, but the last year before, uh, like, it was Class 2005, when people could go straight to the NBA from, from high school. And so I, I remember t- uh, teammates and people telling me, hey, you have some you know, scouts. I remember it was somebody said, it was my, you had a Miami Heat scout in the stands during my games, one of my games in high school. But this was after I had committed to the University University Kansas. But it was just, that was my first moment. was thinking, like, okay, maybe I could really have, like, really seriously, like, playing in the NBA. Not just, like, people talking my head up, like, me for myself. I didn't, like, let people tell me, you know, like, gas me up. So I was like, all right, I really think I can play. But I still had goals in mind. And just to be, like, two years later to have my name called was great. Um, just thinking about, it didn't really sink in because it was like, I was just trying to make sure I didn't trip on the stage or like, you know, just something crazy, <laughs> yeah. right? And then like, then we had to like do interviews afterwards and I had to fly straight to New Orleans and do like a, you know, like a interview, a press conference and a camp with some kids. So it didn't really sink in until I got out there and I was like looking for my house, like like a couple of days or so later. I was like, man, I'm really in the NBA. So it's like, it took like a day or so, like really for it to sink in.
0: Only a day or so. I would have thought it'd take like a year or so to sink in, but that's, <laughs> you transition well. So... So you go from kind of Chicago, from the to the bird to, to Kansas, and I've spent some time mm-hmm. there. You know, rock, chalk, Jayhawk, huge. Like yeah. it's huge. It's like it's a religion yeah. right there, which is fantastic. So then you go yeah. to New Orleans, again a different vibe, um, and then you get traded mm-hmm. to Toronto. What is your understanding had you been to Canada before did you do you know anything about Toronto at this point is it all just really foreign are you expecting us to be speaking French like what's going on in your head when, when they tell you go to Toronto
1: uh well so actually well before I got drafted um I did something with EA Sports and I went uh to Vancouver to okay. do like motion capture and some things um and uh, so I was out there and that was my first time in Canada. You know, it, it was just as beautiful it was like a lot of trees and I come like, from like some places where, you know, it's just like buildings, buildings, you know, so it was a good scenery. It was cool. And then uh, I, I did see it was interesting. I did see French uh, like the signs of French at the airport when I got to Toronto. But it wasn't here. A lot of people speaking French. So I was no. like, what's going on? So I guess it's just because other people travel, you know, like out in Quebec and Montreal, you know, right. they just start traveling, you know, going on in France, So they have to, I mean, uh, in, in uh, Canada. So, but yeah, that was that was a, a small, I would say that was, I, I, I presumed that there would be, I would be hearing it. Um, but no, I didn't hear, I don't think I heard anyone speak French when I was there. <laughs> not one person.
0: No, yeah, it's not. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that, but yeah, it's not, uh, you have to be in certain parts, I guess, to hear it a bit more. But so yeah. your year in Toronto, as far as the team goes, wasn't a great season for the Raptors. They were transitioning. I think it was DeMar's second season. Bosch had yeah. just left to the heat. So it was probably difficult right. to be on a team that's, you know, not winning. Um, but in terms, mm-hmm. did you enjoy, did you enjoy your time in the city? Um, I think Jay Triano was your coach that year, so it, yeah. From seeing what that year that you spent here to last season right or the last few seasons, the fan base kind of has really grown, obviously since they started but in the last ten years especially, and then to win a championship, like did you follow that at all
1: um not not as much as I probably could have, and it's just like getting my own bubble, yeah um you know when it comes to just certain things like that, but you know I did enjoy I did enjoy my my time there um it was more so. A, a thing, a thing where I, I knew that I was like on the last year of my contract, and and I just thought, you know what, I'm going to just be try to be as professional as possible. Um, and I did learn a lot from the player development standpoint. There's a lot of younger younger players like yeah. you know, even doing, getting to the gym early with Demar, De, uh, DeMar DeRozan and Sonny Weems, and you know, we had a lot of young guys, Jared Bayless. One of the things for me where you know I I. I kind of knew, like, it was going to be tough for me to stay in the NBA because, you know, I got traded, and they were rebuilding, and I don't think they really knew or cared kind of what, how that year went. It was just like, let's get DeMar DeRozan better. Yeah. No, really. I mean, yeah. that, that was kind of what it was. Um, that's That I mean that's, that was my, that was like the weirdest thing, you know, because um, I was in New Orleans, and we were, like, trying to build on a championship, you know, trying to just, just to make some runs, and it just shows you like every team has their own little goals and, you know, you have your own personal goals. and It's a lot that has a lineup to sustain line the NBA, to be honest. Um, and, you know, they had a lot of young players. and It's like kind of don't know who's going to kind of get what minute. And I play a lot of games. I just play like only 15 minutes. I mean, it's like in the way I play, I'm not like a specialist. I wasn't like I am only a shooter. I'm only a, you know, a alley-oop catcher and dunker. I'm only a, you know, a defensive yeah. specialist. I'm like a player. Who needs more minutes to show what I do, but not being selfish, not so I can shoot 20 shots. It's just, you know, before you know it, get to I the flow of the game. Minutes. Yeah. Not, but not even that. It's just, I'm a stat sufferer, basically. So that's how I've always been my whole life. You so know, NBA, like at that time, you know, it was kind of like, like a for example, a player like Andre Iguodala, you know, I feel like we have a similar type of game. like, now just a straight knockdown shooter, but you know, before you look at the game, the game's over, 15 points, six, six, Rebounds, four assists, three steals, right. two blocks. You know, and, and impacted the game. You know, so I, I felt like I was that type of player, but never really got a chance to show it. Um and but it was it was definitely a great time in Toronto. I, I was people were great, pool was great. Um, you know, it's just it was a great experience. I don't take it for granted. Like I said, I'm still a professional player, it's just just didn't you know get a chance to continue my career in the NBA.
0: Right. So at that point then, is that when you, you go to
1: play overseas? Well actually I did one year in the uh, G League well called the D League oh, okay. at the time. Um we were actually champions so Austin Toros. I played with uh uh let's see I played with uh Brad Watermaker who's who's got his chance and gotten an the NBA with the Celtics. Recently I uh, played with uh young Corey Joseph oh, okay. <laughs> um, who was already drafted by right them. We had a pretty good pretty good team. Um and the, all, all, you know, I'm a big great. fan.
0: I'm a big fan of, of, of Josephs because we—he's my high school alum. So, gotcha, so, gotcha. yeah. Anytime yeah, you I'm can glad, bring him glad. up in conversation, we're good.
1: Yeah, I'm glad he did well. He's done well for himself. You know, uh, it's not easy getting thrown into just different. I don't think people understand like when you go to a team and it's young, it's a lot of youth. It's it's fun and exciting, I guess, and outside watching. But it's just like everyone's fighting for just just to show that they belong, in, and it's not easy. So I like to I always like to see people if they had some stints in the, in the G League or G League now, that they kind of, you know, use that as a, as a learning tool. And, and I think they've done – like, Austin was great. You know, they're phenomenal they, – like, they they need to make them an NBA team. I mean, they just meaning it's like an extension <laughs> to the Spurs. Yeah. And I think that they set the tone not just – you know, they set the tone for how G League teams to be as well. So, it's like the Spurs show you – the NBA how to, how to operate. And then now the Austin Spurs, it's like showing, you know, G League teams how to operate. So I, really, I, really, I love I my time there too. So I I am I am a champion. It's just you know, it's not it's not it's not solely high. Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> a lot. Yeah.
0: Uh, okay. So then, how do you? So you go through this this professional career. I'm going to fast forward a little bit. How do you end up in Charlotte?
1: Yeah. So, um, basically. Uh, I heard some good things about it from uh players who had got traded from the Bobcats. You know, I'm telling my age with all these changes. <laughs> <advance>. Hey, I, <laughs> I got but, a few uh, years on you, so I <laughs> got clear. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so I heard some good things about Charlotte, but you know, normally like in NBA, you know, we go to different cities, we don't get to see the, the, the neighborhoods, we don't get to yeah. see kind of. What the city's like? We just go to like we're in the city center, and then it's kind of like we play. Me and I get a chance to walk around. We just that's a two of the, uh, excuse me uh, a back to back. He's just kind of just like I'm. I'm laying in bed until you know yeah. time to get up. And so all that being said, yeah, I heard some good things about it. And then um, my wife she had done some had some conferences out here and things like that. And so we just say you know we're trying to look for somewhere on the map. We were like had like a top five list. And we were just looking for somewhere we wanted to, like, settle down. We didn't want to be in a really big city. We didn't want that for our kids. We just wanted them to have some type of stability, though, not, you know, in the middle of nowhere. So, it just one thing led to another. We just, you know, started to, we, you know, took a, a trip out here. My mother-in-law watched our kids, and we just stayed here for, like, a month. Just kind of see it, look around, and we was like, yeah, we're, we're sold. So, that was 2016. So, we've been out here since. Cool.
0: So, I'm going to jump into what, because everyone's seeing you walk around there and we're going to talk about that in a minute. I have one hard question for you first. So, with the NBA planning a, a return here, and it's going to be very different, obviously, because of COVID-19. Um, mm-hmm. We've had some players, specifically Kyrie Irving, Dwight Howard, saying, "You know what? I don't think we should come back to play now." They've used two reasons: COVID mm-hmm. and obviously uh, the protests and 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 bringing more more knowledge to, to social injustice, racial, um, the, you know, the issues in, in America and, and trying to fix those. Cause there are, and, and it's, it's obvious and it's something that needs to get done a lot. You know, it's not going to get done overnight, unfortunately. Do you think right. not playing is the answer, um, to bring attention to that issue or is it playing and having people see you so that you can use that platform to kind of share that information?
1: Yeah, I absolutely think that, they they should play um my reason is not because how they you know maybe seeing it as a situation where it just kind of throws everything back on the you know on the rug or people put their head back in the sand I think if they have it in them to use it as a platform it makes a statement like for example I it sounds weird but this is how it comes out so when the NBA announced that they were shutting down, like, I think that's when a lot of people took COVID-19 seriously. Like, you know, yeah. wow, the NBA shut down. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that was a statement. That was something that took place. I think if it's under the, the reason, if it's because it's COVID-19, that's someone's personal, you know, it's always someone's personal decision, whatever the case is, is. They'll work out the contract situation, whatever. Just, I don't know how that would work, but if they're under the contract and they don't want to play. But the whole point is, if it's health reasons and things like that, okay want to say something but if it's because of civil rights like that i think i mean to be honest like someone's instagram page someone's you know platform like that like that that's only a feeder i mean that's basically i would say it it, it's only supported by what they're doing when they're active to me right so i would say you know we have you have all these interviews you have all this press why not i feel like the whole world can now hear about what's going on in america just like a lot of people found out What's going on, in America? When the NBA shut down, so that's that's my that's my that's my stance on it. You know, but I, I, of course, it's his own. You know,
0: yeah, yeah. The, the NBA shutting down. You're right. It was like that first big domino to fall, and everything right. just kind of happened after that. And and to your point, right? Using that platform as you're playing to speak out about social injustice, and and I think that's that's the best use of your time. And to some, there's been some other players who've said. That's great for the superstars who've made hundreds of millions of dollars to say, hey, we're not going to play. But what about those you know, those guys on minimum contracts, those young guys that are just trying to break into the league? They're not in that same financial position as some of those players. They, some of them need to play. Um,
1: yeah. I, I'd say, sorry to interject, I would say yeah. just quickly is that I think it's no different than anyone else who's going to work. You know, like, yes, people might sit here and March and do what they're going to do, but okay, are they just going to not go into work? Maybe do the, let's do that in their off time. So, someone can still be an activist or whatever they want to do on days off or days where they're in different cities. Heck, they tra- well they don't travel, but the idea is, like, there's going to be a lot of press in the NBA, like, even more, right. the fact that it's starting up. So, you know, like, the whole world's watching the NBA, so it's like, why not take that chance and to, to, to use that as a platform? Because, let's be real, basketball's the easiest thing in terms of someone who's already professional. Yeah, that maybe if you're sore or, or whatever, but, like, well, you're at this level, like, the back, the actual basketball part of the game is, is easy in a sense. It's the planning. It's the, you know, preparation. It's, you know, other business stuff going on outside of everyone's right. control. That's going to be tough. So, that's that you know, that's where I stand with it. Um, I think that people should, should you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. But I think if, if anyone just looks at it as, hey, this is my job. I'm going to do my job. It's my, you know, it might be, like, if I'm being affected on, like, in my workspace then that's something but if it's yeah it's tough that you're seeing other people with things going on but hey like do your job and then you can use that platform to 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 really you know bring more awareness and even put pressure on some people in some managerial places it's so it's
0: it's such an important issue right we want to keep it at the forefront but use your platforms so that it doesn't like you said so people don't put their heads back in the sand and we go back to you know it seems like Three four years ago, we were having the same conversations. There was protests and 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 mm-hmm. this time it feels different, which is good, right? Because we yeah. people need to action, right? There's a lot of words three four years ago. Right. I hope this time around it leads to actions. So exactly. speaking of actions, um, mm-hmm. you've started Adapt Basketball. And yes. I'm seeing you walking around. I'm getting jealous because I haven't, you know, with COVID, I've been in isolation. I haven't been able to hoop in a while. So tell me about what you're doing with the DAP. Show me around. Um, I've, You know, you've had some of your alum already pop in. Uh, this week, yeah. right, was the grand opening?
1: Well, we just did an opening. <laughs> wasn't yeah. It wasn't even grand. <laughs> right,
0: I guess. <laughs> it can't be too grand right now.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll just probably, we're thinking about just kind of rolling into next year, you know, like just kind of, like anniversary type thing, you know, just kind of, hey, you know, we didn't get a chance to kind of do a formal thing, but we have to get going now. I mean, just be real. So, I mean, that, that, nothing was really a fairy fairytale uh, uh, type of story this, this year. So, we're not even going to do that. People started calling and once to get in. It's like, yeah, let's come on. Let's work. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so i will be really excited to get going, though, despite, you know, with how how you know, it's been, you know, with, with how slow it's been thus, thus far. I'm encouraged though, uh, because uh, we, even before COVID 19, as uh, I don't know if you got a chance to see these uh, cameras, but uh, we basically have sports performance cameras that we can use. We have five on this one side alone, it was panoramic and then one yeah. here. So we're going to use that to do online training, which we're excited about. We were going, as I said, this wasn't random. Like, oh, this has some cameras in here. So you know, the idea is that we want, I, I know, even for example, like, I got to meet some, some phenomenal people in Toronto, uh, people I keep in touch with, and and just also like knowing that I I feel like every stop of the way I I felt like I've learned or gained something from it, and if I can just be of service or of uh, being a resource, I I thought that Charlotte's just like in a sense my headquarters, but I want to be able to um, impact many people, and I feel like kids. In particular, even um, the teenage athletes are underserved when it comes to training. You know, especially in, in the States, I think it's just oversaturated with trainers. You know, people just like, oh, they kind of do this on the side. It's okay. But I, okay. I see myself as a professional basketball player development coach. I just, I'm just not tied to a team. So I want to, you know, be able to kind of just show my expertise and kind of be authoritative. Figure when it comes to teaching and basketball the right way, you know. And it's like kids are used to one-minute Instagram videos and YouTube videos. And okay, sometimes people say you can't keep compete with free, but we we, we want to be confident and say, hey, look, we're trying to make it affordable. And compared to in person, would you get something like this? You know, and that's kind of how we want to kind of position ourselves going forward. I
0: I, I love it. Um, it's, I'll, I'll I'll join you. I'll have. Uh, I'll get <laughs> once I can get back to the gym. We'll we'll do some virtual stuff. Um, so. <laughs> So you've had some players come in. Is it do they just mm-hmm. come in, and is it it's just a good place to get a, get a workout in? You, you talk about teaching basketball the right way, right? So mm-hmm. maybe I'm going to show my age a little bit when I say the fundamentals yes. of the game seem to be slipping a little bit, right? So yeah. so t- talk to me about the importance of that, um, especially for young players.
1: Right. So you know, the game basketball is becoming so it's so competitive because so many people are playing it, and that's what I mean. You know, we want to give people an edge. Uh, based on, you know, just getting the getting the bases. And I feel like, you know, we're trying to keep up with the times where, you know, players are very talented, but, like, they're very talented, and they're ones that you see on TV, and they can kind of get away with certain things that look so flashy, but they, there's a lot of fundamentals still in there. You can tell they've been in the gym a long time, and so I think what kids are doing, they're looking at the flashy moves. Yep. And they're not looking at all the other score the buckets they score because if they're not watching the full game, you know that's what I said. It's, this world, like, in social media is just more like highlight, highlight, error. So it's like, hey, have you watched James Harden play his whole game? How he gets to the free throw line? How he, his, you know, even his form? How he 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 has hard pound dribbles? Or are you only looking at when he has to isolate and shoot a, a, a tough step back shot? You know, like you don't score 40, 50 points on all tough shots like fancy right, shots. Right. But, of course, you're going to score a share when you shoot that many shots. So I think that's kind of what's going on is, you know, kids are just watching. The, they want to look at the people. They want to look at media outlets or even players themselves put their best foot forward when they show the highlights. And that's what kids are doing, too. Like, they're looking at – they're putting, they're posting – the parents are posting one-minute highlight reels of a whole tournament. It's like this person had on five different shoes and jer- jerseys. Like, I mean, they're, they're just taking two main shots from the whole tournament. I mean, each game and make a highlight, that's not real, like, it's not realistic. So we're going to do, like, film analysis so we can actually teach and show mechanical uh, movements, like, why, you know, how mechanics, how they're strong, like, why they can make this move because they have a good balance, not just let me go out there now and try it. So we want to teach the game, and what we allows us to do this and leverage it and, um, uh, and pose to, uh, you know, in person is that, you know, people can rewatch it, you know, so we want to use film, we want to use we want to just show them, you know, what, how to play the right way. And then we kind of, you know, maximize it. Even in person, we give, we give people what we call homework. We don't want to just feel like we have to have everyone on the stream and say, you know, hey, you, you know, you got to keep coming back to us. We want you to, you know, do work on your own, just like school. So that's why it's called Academy.
0: So I'll tell you a quick story because it goes right into what you just said. So I used to work at a basketball camp one summer and I was a mm. coach. and these I call them kids because they were 10 to 14 years old and they're coming in and they're you know throwing around the back passes and 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 I said well let let me see a bounce pass and they they couldn't throw a bounce pass but they're trying to throw around the back passes and and to your point about James Harden I see it all the time younger kids like trying to shoot a step back three before they can shoot a spot up three right you got to learn there's steps so you got to walk before you run so so I appreciate that and I think it's 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 great what you're doing um and i love it and much success and they can find you at adaptbasketball.com.
1: yes yes they can they can find me there from there if they're looking for If you know not, not most, most of your audience obviously won't be near where i'm at but they can go to the training tab and and they can just look at online academy once they click on that they'll, 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 the pathway will show them by the way i'll tell you this it was, it was really supposed to be a solid promotion i have a because I've sent it to people who I just want to key in on. And so we do have a, a promotion. It's just Adapt20 for all our online programming. It's 20% off right now. So, okay.
0: I'll be sure to add that, that link in, <laughs> in the video for sure. And I'm going to leave it on you know, my favorite subject next to basketball is going to be the Bears. So I'm going to, yeah. this would be the last thing I ask you to do today. Your prediction. Have you been following the offseason? And do you have a prediction, fingers crossed, that we have a season?
1: Um, I haven't this this particular season. I've uh, been so busy. I I will have to give you an update. You can you can do an editor's note. Um, okay, so, all right. But I I think they'll have a season. Um, I I, I think they may follow. The, a lot of people are probably watching the NBA, kind of see how they're gonna do it, and yeah. And I think at least it gives you know NFL a lot more time to kind of you know get the resources together. They can probably do a similar thing somewhere. You know, Vegas has a lot of just land. You know, I'm yeah. some places <laughs> where they can just. You know, just get people in there, and so I don't know, I don't know, but I hope so. I mean, I, I, I definitely, I would like to now that I'm, you know, basically retired. I would like to be able to. to, uh, to you're running, you're running sports. this
0: camp, you're running this academy. I know you're not retired because that takes up a lot of time, but I, I know what you mean. So I'll <laughs> let you know my. So I'll put it out there yeah. again. So I did a way too early prediction for all the NFL teams already, and I have the okay. Bears as a wild card team, ten and six. So I think. Okay, that that would make us happy, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll take the wild card
0: exactly. (laughs) All right, Julie, man, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining me, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks,
1: Anthony. Thanks. Take care. Take care, man.
0: Let's stay in the NBA and move to part three of our Jordan versus LeBron goat debate. If you remember, in part one, we talked about accomplishments, and we gave Jordan the edge there. Number two was longevity and LeBron got the edge there. So we're sitting at 1-1, heading into part three of our six-part series. Part three is focusing on winning. So who is the winner? Or the better winner? It's easy to say, well, it's Jordan, because Jordan went to the finals six times, and his record is 6-0. and That'd be the easy answer. However, LeBron has been to the championships nine times. During one stretch, he went eight years in a row. And he has three championships as well. So let's talk about those three championships. His record in the finals is three and six. And he gets knocked quite often for not being the winner in the finals. However, he did go up against a great San Antonio Spurs team with maybe one of the best coaches in the league, and he had to face the juggernaut Golden State Warriors. So do we give him a plus or a minus for the nine appearances and only three wins? Let's move over to Jordan before we answer that. Jordan had a tough time in his early years as well, not being able to get by first. The Hall of Fame Boston Celtics, five Hall of Famers on that team. The Bad Boy Pistons, who were the most physical, dominating defensive team at the time. But once he got over that hump, he went to three straight finals, won all three. Obviously, we know about the retirement. He comes back, has a half, I don't even want to call it a quarter season, and they don't make it to the finals that year. But the following season, they pick up Dennis Rodman, he's back in shape, and they again go to three more finals and win three more finals. So, there's more to it, of course. LeBron came straight out of high school. Jordan went to college. What did he do in college? Well, He won an NCAA championship. They both went to the Olympics. Jordan going twice and winning two golds. LeBron going three times. But let's not forget that first 2004 Olympics in Athens, Team USA, only a bronze medal. Big upset, which is probably why he went back a couple of times and got golds the next two. So who's the better winner? Well, again, it goes back to the finals. It's about winning championships. We knock players for not winning championships. You constantly make fun of... Charles Barkley for not winning a championship. Patrick Ewing gets knocked down a few rings for not winning a ring. So what is the finals record? Well, for LeBron, it's 18-31. and 31. So of all his finals appearances, his team's records were 18-31. and 31. That's a 36-point-something percent winning percentage in the final. Guys, that's not good. When you look at Jordan, 69%. His teams went 24 and 11. Wait, hold on. You're going to tell me, but LeBron had stiffer competition. Well, it depends. If we're looking at it from a statistic standpoint, the teams that LeBron faced in the final had an average wins for the season of 60.8. So all the teams that he faced, For the regular season, their average win total was 60.8. Jordan's finals teams, 61.2. So statistically speaking, their regular season records, Jordan actually faced tougher competition. The next thing you're going to say, of course, is, well, Jordan didn't have to go up against a team as dominant as the Golden State Warriors. You're probably right. He didn't. Do you know why? Because it was his team that was the dominant juggernaut. It was the Bulls that had the target on their back that were the best team that everyone was gunning for. And when you talk about those Golden State Warriors, as great as they were, they never accomplished what the Bulls did. One, they never three-peated, let alone three-peating twice. And their best regular season, 73 win. They weren't able to close out the deal and win the championship. So is it better to have made it to the finals and not won? Or better to have won every time you make it to the finals? Let's use an example from another sport. If you were a Buffalo Bills fan and made it to four straight Super Bowls, would you trade in all four Super Bowl appearances for one Super Bowl win? The answer probably is yes. So, when it comes to winning, we take the man who has an NCAA championship, two gold medals, and nothing else, 6 0 in the finals. He is your winner. If you wanted to win a championship, whether you believe one player is a better player than another, who do you think is going to win you the chip? The reality is, it's Michael Jordan in this case. So, Jordan, for winning as the third criteria, gets the nod and takes the lead in our goat debate two to one. Join us next week for part four. The New England Patriots got themselves a quarterback. Is it the right quarterback, and what does it mean for the AFC? Well, let's start from the Patriots' side of the ball. If Cam Newton returns to his MVP caliber, then The New England Patriots have set themselves up fantastically to make another run at the Super Bowl. If it's the oft-injured Cam Newton, then they're in a world of hurt because they really don't have anybody else at the quarterback position. What does it mean for the AFC? Well, the Bills now are probably a little bit more nervous. However... I still think the Bills win the AFC East this season. Hopefully, this gives them that extra motivation that maybe they would have been lacking without a strong Patriots team in that division. They should still win it, and they should win 10 or 11 games this year to the Patriots. I think this takes them out of top spot in the draft into wild card contention. This being the year with the extra wild card spot, they should slide into that 6th or 7th seed, which is great for them as the underdog, not normally a place that they are in, but I think a place where Coach Belichick really has a good handle on. But is Cam Newton the right fit for that team? Well, let's take a look at it. They have a trio of running backs, a solid offensive line, and really a huge gaping hole at wide receiver. Sound familiar? Yeah, kind of what he was dealing with in Carolina. He doesn't have anyone to really throw to. Can that offensive line keep him healthy because he's going to have to run? The biggest question, of course, is, is Cam Newton healthy? Let's assume that he is. If he is, that creates a Great running game for the Patriots between their running backs and Cam on a good, if not, I don't want to say great, but on a very good defensive Patriots team. This team is going to win a lot of close games, a lot of low scoring games this year, and mark them down for about nine wins this season, nine and seven. And that puts them, like I said, right into that wild card spot. However, They still have to go through Baltimore, who, by the way, I believe Lamar Jackson is going to have a, I don't want to say a down year, but he's not going to wow you as much as he did last year. They're still going to be very, very solid. And obviously the Chiefs. And the Chiefs, do they have a Super Bowl hangover or do they come back with something to prove? I think the latter and the Chiefs will still be the team to beat. So how does that change up my predictions in the NFL? I still have the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Colts, and the Bills winning their divisions. But now I have the Steelers and the Patriots sliding into the next spot. And I'm going to go with the Raiders still as the three card teams. So that's the AFC. Good luck to Cam Newton and the Patriots from the NFL to Major League Baseball. We have more details on what the season's going to look like with teams reporting on July the 1st. Opening day is going to be July 23rd and 24th, and they will play that 60-game season. Of the 60 games, 40 will be divisional matchups, and 20 will be interleague play. Now, here's an interesting twist, at least for the National League teams, where they will have a universal DH. So both leagues will be playing with with a DH rule, which I think is good in a shortened season. Your roster that you're not very sure of, you give the pitchers a break from having to step up and bat. I think that's a good idea. The trade deadline. There will also obviously be a trade deadline, even in this shortened season. And that's going to be August the 31st. Then we get into one that I'm not a big fan of which is the automatic runner on second base in in regular season extra inning games. So when we get into the 10th inning, they'll automatically start with a player on second. I get why they're doing it. It's to get the game over with in their minds quicker because they don't want long extra inning games. I would have opted for ties. And I've said this before, especially in a 162 game season, There's nothing wrong with a tie in the regular season. We're probably going off on a bit of a tangent here with every sport. When I say this, if you play a full 48 minutes in basketball or nine innings in baseball or a full football game, and you're at a tie, let it be. Let there be a tie. It's just the regular season. If a team needs the win to get into the playoffs or secure Home field advantage, it incentivizes them to go for it late in the fourth quarter, which makes the game more exciting. I'm going into an overtime rant here. I get it. And for that matter, when we get into the playoffs, you play an entire quarter or an inning, whatever the case may be, until you have a winner. So in football, you throw another 12 minutes on the clock and go. Same with basketball. Same with, and then like I said, with baseball, another inning, another 20 minutes, maybe make it 10 minutes um, in hockey. You can adjust the time, but you just play a full quarter of the game. And if it's still tied, just keep playing another quarter until there's a winner. That's for playoffs. Again, to backtrack, in the regular season, especially in a shortened season like this, just leave it a tie. So I'm clearly going off topic a little bit talking about overtime and leaving things on at a time. So let's get back to baseball. So with the shortened season, starting here now in a a couple of weeks, do we have predictions? So before I give you mine, I'm going to ask for yours. Send me your picks. I'm going to do some studies. I'm going to do a survey on Instagram and Twitter, where you can find us at sports underscore fluent. And we're going to see what you say and who you pick as this shortened season. World Series favorite. Look for that on the next episode, which will be coming out in two days. Now for The Fix. Yes, I know. It's your favorite part of the show, The Fix. So today, we're going to look at the NHL and their draft lottery. What a joke. How do you have a draft lottery and the number one pick is to be determined? This can't be right. The entire draft lottery system is broken. Now I get it. We started doing it because we wanted to help the bad teams get better quicker. So we gave them the first pick in the draft or the early picks in the draft so that they could get the best players and get better parody in the league. It's better for everybody. I know. I don't disagree. However, what has happened? Well, and when I say what has happened, I'm not talking about the frozen ticket for the New York Knicks or the back-to-back top picks uh, for, for certain teams. Heck, I'm not even talking about Tim Duncan going to, to the Spurs because David Robinson was hurt and they stunk that year and ended up creating a dynasty. No, what has happened is we're making the bad teams get the top picks, but typically they're poorly run franchises. So sometimes it helps, aka LeBron James. Sometimes, ask the Edmonton Oilers, it doesn't help. What about the teams in the middle? Those teams that actually put a competitive team on the court, on the ice, on the field, But because they're stuck in the middle, they never are quite bad enough to get the top picks, never quite good enough to be in the playoffs or make title runs. They kind of get screwed in this. So there's a couple of different scenarios floating around. For example, eliminate the draft lottery. Let players coming out of university or high school, depending on the age restrictions, Be free agents and let the teams vying for their services bid on them. I know what you're saying. All the big market teams, those teams are going to get all the best players because who doesn't want to play in L.A. and New York? The reality is in hockey, because that's what we're talking about right now, there's a salary cap. So they can only do that so many times because they will become salary cap strapped. And as a young player, you're trying to make your money. So that probably won't be a big deal in the near future. Or do you change it up and give instead of encouraging teams to lose, put in an incentive that once they've been eliminated from playoff contention, then they have to start winning to earn extra merits or extra points or extra odds of winning the lottery. There's quite a few scenarios. I'm a big fan of letting the players coming into the league be free agents. I'm not a big fan of them getting drafted and having to go where they don't want to go necessarily. So let me know what you think about the NHL and how you would change the draft lottery or would you abolish it completely. And if there's something else that needs a fix, let me know and we'll put it on one of our upcoming episodes. That's it for this episode of Sports Fluent. I'm Anthony K. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at sports_fluent. And now, you can also find us on YouTube, Sports Fluent, where you can see the video of Julian Wright's new adapt basketball training facility. Also, send us your comments. We'd love to hear what you think about Cam Newton to the Patriots, the bi- upcoming baseball season, the NHL draft lottery, or anything else in sports. Talk to you soon.